Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your people and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Amen. I'm sure it may be difficult for some people to hear, but I am not a fan of St. Paul. No offense to the founders of this beautiful church, but he's never been one of my favorite people. When I was young and just discovering my sexual identity, people around me, adults, were saying that St. Paul says it's a terrible sin and that homosexuals would go to hell. And this made me a little nervous. I've heard people also say, St. Paul said, women should keep their mouths shut in church and cover their heads. And for years, that was used against women to become priests or ministers. I remember growing up, we did have to cover our heads in church. You couldn't go into a church without something covering your head. And sometimes, if you got, forgot a hat, at the last minute, you took a square of Kleenex and pinned it to the top of your head, and that sort of counted. Things were strange in the 60s and 70s. I was the first woman to go into my church wearing pants. I was wearing a just wonderful gray pantsuit, a little flare leg, and a Nehru collar. And I was escorted out of the church by two ushers who said women can't wear pants in church. And I thought, where did Paul write that? because I was fully expecting it to hear that that was something that Paul had said. I started reading the letters of Paul. And some of them were wonderful. I mean that whole soliloquy about love, being patient and kind. That was one of the most beautiful things I ever read. And then he says we should keep our mouths shut and cover our heads. So confusing. This particular letter to the Hebrews contains nine sentences that have over 300 words in them. Paul was not very good at punctuation, so you had to read him patiently. But what he said today really touched my heart, particularly in this time, because he was writing to the Romans. At this point, Rome had thrown out all of the Israelites, all of the Jews, all of the Jewish Christians, and the only people left in Rome were the Gentile Christians. And he had tried so hard in his ministries to make equal the men and women, Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, all one under Christ. And as soon as people started to understand this a little better, 
the Israelites were thrown out and all that were left in Rome were the Gentile converts. He wrote this letter to the Roman Empire. So that was a huge place. It started in Turkey where he was born, traveled through the whole known empire to the people in Rome. He gave the letter to his friend Phoebe. And she traveled the whole known world with this letter that just told people that faith is all you need, that baptized in the name of Christ was all you needed for salvation. You didn't have to work for it. It was given to you. This became a great moment of contention much later in the church when indulgences were being sold by priests, which meant if you gave them some money, you would spend less time in purgatory because we're all sinners and none of us ever go straight to heaven unless you pay enough money. Luther had a big problem with that because he read, you are sa saved by Jesus Christ, not by works, but by your baptism. So he broke from the Roman church all over money and indulgences makes sense to us today, although you can still buy little holy cards. On the back is written, if you say this prayer every day for a week, you will receive indulgences. Of course, the Catholic Church did remove um, purgatory from its beliefs, so I, I don't know what happens now to those people who had to spend so much time in a place that doesn't exist anymore. <clears throat> But when you read this letter, you see a real part of Paul that says something different. He wants to go back to the old days. He's tired of this infighting. He's tired of people in Corinth worshiping one way and people in Rome worshiping another. There's no cohesion. There's no consistency. Everywhere he goes, something different is happening. And he wants to go back to the way he knew. He was a Jew. He was taught in a rabbinical school, even though he didn't become a rabbi and became a tent maker. He knew the laws. He knew the prophets. He knew all of the feasts and how to celebrate them. He knew what was right and what was wrong according to the law of Judaism. There were 144 laws that they lived by from Leviticus, and they did it. And he loved that because he knew where he stood. He knew where everybody stood. When you went in to a Jewish synagogue, you worshiped this way, you followed these laws, you read about these prophets and you celebrated in this way. And he longed for his good old days. You and I are at a crossroads in this world. 
Many of us, myself included, long for the good old days, even the good old days of four months ago, where we could all sit together in this church and pray and feast on the Eucharist and hug one another and just see faces in the crowd and know they're smiling at us. We long for the days when this didn't happen. And then we go back even further and think, because we have so much time to think now. Remember when you were a kid and you could play in the streets and there were no video, well, I'm not talking to you guys, you're too young. But you could play video, you didn't have to play video games. You were outside playing hockey in the street or, or, or half ball, which we played. And you know, the different things we did as children that seemed so simple, our lives seemed so simple in those days. But when you look back, they really weren't. We have this wonderful idea of how things used to be. I was born during the Korean conflict. I lived through Vietnam. I lived through a, a nearly nuclear situation with Russia in the 60s. I watched with awe the first civil rights movement. I participated in the gay rights movement and the second women's rights movement. And now we have a second civil rights movement. I'm sure compared to many of you, I haven't suffered at all. Many of you went through world war and depression you were anxious about where your next meal would come from. Believe me, there are people now who think the same thing, who are going through those same things. They're going through an economic depression. They're going through wondering how they will feed their families. So things ebb and flow. What do we do about it? How do we change the face of the earth? How do we live in this day and age without losing something really important about ourselves, without losing that peace of our soul that we used to nourish when we came to church? I know a lot of people skip around YouTube and watch different preachers say different things and go to different churches and it's just not the same anymore. We must be eternally patient at this time. And that's so hard. I'm not the most patient person in the world. I've made fast face masks, a fashion accessory, because I live in a time when that's necessary. But Please, God, this will not always be. We must pray. Yes, we must pray very hard. But we must take care of one another. Those are simple things to do. Wear a mask. I have a friend who's an ICU doctor in Maryland. And every one of her Facebooks ends with 
wear a bloody mask. Just wear it. Because she has seen so much death, I don't know how her spirit survives. But it does. She prays with her patience. She prays with the dying and holds their hands. And then comes on Facebook and says, I lost three more patients today. Please wear a mask. And is that so hard to do, really, when it comes down to it? It's not impinging on our rights. Wear a seatbelt. We didn't complain too much. No smoking in restaurants. Okay, we can deal with that. Wear a face mask and people go crazy. It's not a ditch to die in, as my mother would say. Because you're not wearing it for yourself. You're wearing it for the person next to you. You're wearing it so we can come back together as a church. You're wearing it to protect one another in love. Because if you are a Christian and love everyone as Christ taught us to love, then you will wear a mask for the love of God and for the love of the soul in the person next to you. Because that's all we have right now. We have obedience to Christ to love and obedience to the law to wear a face mask. I was a nurse, so this becomes very personal to me. I don't want to see any one of you die. Any one of you be exposed to this horrible, insidious virus that has overtaken the world. They expect 20,000 more people to die by the end of August. 20,000 people. Don't be one of those statistics. Don't wish for the old days. Make the old days come back. Make it safe for everyone. Make it a life we can all live with joy. And soon enough, please God, we will all be sitting in this place again, saying hallelujah, and hugging one another, and receiving the Eucharist, and being one community again. Amen.